Good day everyone, I'm Diane, and welcome to the STEM Talks podcast where we discuss STEM, what it is, its problems, and how we can improve it. In our last episode, we had the STEM plus PH and system teams to discuss their views on what integrated STEM is and how this will move forward. In our previous episode, we had STEM teachers, students, and advocates to talk about anything STEM. But for today, we're going to talk about the role of industry leaders in strengthening STEM education, as well as their vision for STEM and how they can better prepare everyone for the future of work. As mentioned in our previous podcast as well, um, it's always good to get different perspectives of STEM from different people of different backgrounds so we know where people stand. For today, we have Ms. Clarissa Segismundo, or Isang, from Microsoft Philippines to discuss with us her role and efforts in promoting education, as well as a bit of information about the tech industry. So, hi Isang, maybe you can tell us more about yourself and your role in Microsoft, or maybe your role out of Microsoft as well. Hi Diane, thank you for inviting me to speak here. Thank you to you and to Unidad Foundation. I'm really glad that we have initiatives like this because this adds to, you know, all the programs and initiatives that private and public agencies are doing to advocate STEM in the Philippines. So I, I'm the Education Programs Lead of Microsoft Philippines. My main role is to take care of educator capacity building, meaning to say, you know, really empowering teachers and our school leaders on how to better use technology for teaching and learning. And then I also look after student skilling and certification. So we are, you know, diving deeper into ensuring that our students, whether they're in middle school, junior high school or senior high school, they are given the opportunity to learn proper technology because we're really talking about future-ready skills now. I mean, right? I mean, 10 years ago, we never thought that the jobs we have today would have existed, right? And so we are also looking forward to, you know, for example, 2030, what will be the skills that the graduates of 2030 should be having in order to meet industry standards and requirements. So when you look at technology, the investments that companies are making now, and the developments and research and updates that we have, you know, as a tech company, we want to make sure that our students and our academic institutions aren't left behind. That whatever it is that schools are adopting as their curriculum, whatever it is that teachers are adopting as their skills and competencies and whatever it is that they teach to our students, the youth, the graduates, they are, there's no disconnect between the skills that our graduates have versus the skills that companies look for when they hire fresh grads. Yes, you, um, actually your, um, everything you said is very much in line uh, then with STEM plus PH objectives, like our program objectives, like we want to future-proof and future-ready our students and of course the Philippines, especially in STEM. So you mentioned that Microsoft has had numerous initiatives in promoting teacher and learner empowerment through tech. So how has Microsoft committed to this over the years? Like what what are these initiatives and how can we use this also in learning STEM? I would define this because as if you look at STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, 
Microsoft plays in the technology piece. Eh. And we are very deliberate that when we say technology, it becomes an extension of everything. Whether you're looking at science, you're doing math, you're in communications or arts, technology is now inevitable. Every person, every worker, every graduate should have at least, you know, at a minimum proficiency level when it comes to their ICT skills, right? Over time, and you know, Microsoft being a tech company, we have software, we have now AI, machine learning, etc. Over time, our products have also evolved. So slowly, we we see that, like I said earlier, as companies progress, as data grow bigger and bigger, right? and our population and, and the demand and everything else. Microsoft has also become more deliberate in putting together content that will make STEM more exciting, more approachable. We are democratizing access to information, access to education through technology. So we have a lot of, for example, say, courses or content that are free and are available. If you're a young learner who'd be interested to learn more about science or how you can build machines that emulate humans in you know in a fun way, there are courses that are free and accessible to every person. Basta may internet ka, basta may access ka dito sa website na to. I mean, you can do that. As a teacher, we also have available learning materials, lesson plans, trainings that will enhance their STEM lessons and allow them to engage better with students through different tools in technology, right? So the main star here would still be the lesson and the teacher, and of course, obviously the learner. But we find ways to provide tools, resources, platforms, so that STEM is properly advocated when everyone's given the chance to learn and appreciate it. Okay. So with this, what do you think is the biggest challenge of STEM education in light of the shift to a new normal? Like given all these innovations and technology, how do you see technology also being used in STEM education moving forward? Hmm, that's you know, that's that's a very interesting question, Diane. Say right right now I have like millions of answers already in my head <laughs> and I, I you know put it parang challenges there's there's just really so many you know um demographics access or a lot of things but okay so first um you know companies still tell us that you know there's really a shortage of stem skills among graduates right in fact there are a lot of job openings that are focused on STEM skills. And there's just really a huge gap, you know, between the skills that are available in the market and the skills that are on demand and by companies and by big industries. And the biggest challenge that I see today and in my observation, in my interaction with academic institutions and with the companies, our customers, number one is that the curriculum that some institutions are using are outdated. I think that's the first thing that they need to look into. Eh? Um, really looking at a curriculum that they can update and make sure that it's well connected with how, like I said, it's well connected with 
what the industry today and what companies today look for. I think if we start with that, right? So therefore, if you provide the right content and the right curriculum to the learners, when they graduate, they have a higher chances of getting hired because the companies who are looking for these skills and hiring these and interviewing these applicants and graduates, they won't have to think anymore about retraining the hires, the new hires. Because there's a disconnect with the skills, right? Yeah. Second is second is I think training institutions and schools need to partner more or collaborate more with industry experts. So much so that you know when they and it's not just you know inviting a speaker to talk you know in a class per quarter and then it's part of their lesson. It's it's really more of how can we as a as a school or as an academic institution partner with say a stem company that who are stem business advocates as well how can we work together around mentorship coaching of my students um can someone look into our curriculum and give insights if this works or if these are outdated um is there a is there a potential for internship you know for my my students on stem it's not just an initiative driven by the school or just by one STEM company, but it's really coming in full circle so that when the school and even parents are aware of this, if we have more students, boys and girls, becoming more aware that these are the careers available when I choose a STEM track, if we have more students getting interested in that, and then we have, there's a there's a platform for, for these students to grow outside of their school and their subjects, right? Make them learn outside also, not just within the walls of their classrooms or right now online, right? I think this could be a better STEM system for, for everyone. And then we'll have a better supply of skills in 10 years from now, 10 years from now, right? Um, at the same time, on a policy level, we should be more active, you know, in working with policymakers and stakeholders in making sure that they, they put programs and policies in place to support also all these asks and requests. Hmm. Agree. Very interesting, no? Like, I didn't realize that because STEM wasn't as popular before to me. And it's so interesting to hear that we really need to improve STEM to prepare the students or um, to prepare students for the future of work. Like, there is jobs like data science or artificial intelligence. Like, that wasn't popular at all before. And I think the first time I heard about it was in college na. So, I, I now see, like, a lot of... Even the people we've talked to before this podcast, like, they always mention that we have to prepare the students for the future of work. We have to... There are a lot of jobs that won't exist yet in the future, which is why we need to strengthen STEM now. And... It's good that you've been talking a lot about how STEM is valuable and important now. So we're also interested in knowing more about your journey in becoming an advocate for education or in STEM. So maybe you can tell us also what made you see the value of STEM, even before your role in Microsoft. What made you become an advocate yourself? You made a good point there, Diane. Because same, same with me, no? when I graduated from college, STEM was in my DNA. I 
to be honest, I really didn't care about STEM. I didn't know about STEM. I wasn't even interested in technology. When I graduated from college, I was interested to teach teach preschool because for me it's fun it's a happy place I want to be with kids right but then when I was applying to teach the school said oh I have to have education units right and my course was human resource management huh? so it's funny because from from computer applications I didn't like computers and technology because I couldn't grasp programming my my brain wasn't just wired to work that way to be honest while and it wasn't popular before eh? exactly exactly and if i look at my my classmates parang how come kahit nila sumabay it's my interest isn't really at that r- really the right? so what's amazing and funny was that you know when the the first job that was offered to me was a role in SAP Philippines and it's a german technology company i didn't have any idea what they do i sinabi lang na it's a software company and i would do marketing stuff for them and yeah fast forward you know from SAP i moved to oracle philippines another technology company and now i'm with microsoft Looking back, looking back, you know, I realized, okay, how important is it for a student to acquire specific competencies and skills? You know, I, I realized, and me now working for Microsoft and interviewing interns, applicants, you know, I realized that today, whether it's purely STEM or a technology skill, it's actually very, very relevant and and very much needed, especially now that you see how things are empowered by technology, right? In whatever role we dive into, like I said, at the minimum, kailangan may, may certain proficiency level ka ng ICT skills. Eh. More, so, more so if you earn certifications, more so if you earn certifications and complete courses on data science, right? Or data analytics, you become a programmer, you you build your cloud skills, that's really the way to go, right? And mapping that with in the science industry or math industry, under other industries outside of technology, that's still heavy with data. Eh? And at some point, they will still very much rely on technology to make decisions, to do predictive and prescriptive analytics, right? And so, kailangan talaga may skills ka on that, diba? So, if you're a scientist and you're also proficient in the use of, for example, Power BI tools or AI, diba? So, so that brings you, parang that, that brings you to so many levels higher pa. And I can imagine if we have students that you are grooming today to become like that. Kasi, to your point na, Diane, when you only heard about computer science when you got into college. Yeah, right? Yeah. And that's that's normal. You have kids suddenly wanting para interested in IT or they were forced by their parents to do IT because I mean in my generation also so we were told that hey mag political science ka or mag computer science ka kasi malaki sweldo niyan diba they would say that and then you have a child okay just wanting to please her parents or, or wanting to get good salary right away they take that out but there's also high drop out rate because the foundation and the appreciation parang didn't happen at the, at the early stages of your education eh 
all of a sudden, pag college, biglang, oh, you take up, you know, computer science or data science courses na. So, what we're trying to do also is, in Microsoft, we work with schools so that kids, you know, at, at a young age, as young as grade 3, grade 4, Minecraft in education is introduced in their curriculum. You see Minecraft in education as, you know, just a game, right? I mean, I, I have two kids, both are boys. They used to play Minecraft a lot. And I used to see it as, you know, just a game, a distraction. And they're so glued at their tablets and playing it the whole day. Then I realized after discovering that product, which was purchased by Microsoft after, we came out with that education edition. And the stuff in Minecraft in education actually prepares the kids to appreciate coding. I didn't know that diba? until, okay, what is this? Ba? Parang, when, when you play Minecraft in education kasi, and other coding content that we share with our kids, like we have Hour of Code, we have, you know, we, we do all those stuff regularly. When you give it to a child, kasi because it's game-based, para sa kanya, it's just playing. But without really knowing that when a child plays with a game like that, we are enhancing their computational thinking, creativity, because they have the the freedom to build their own world. They're already putting in math and their science skills because it requires measurement and sourcing of raw materials and products, you know. And then they can collaborate because they're doing multiplayer online. And they're very conscious also of online ethics because there are rules to follow, but you can violate, you have to be honest, you can't just throw a bomb in, in your world, you things like that. So parang lessons and, and content now, when we want to advocate STEM, even to young learners, we can also start with technology. It's really not just teaching them specific technology skills, but but through technology and through the proper guidance of the teacher or an adult who supervises it and who gives them what to do and how to do it, without us also being so conscious about it, we are actually fostering skills like problem solving, creativity, critical thinking, um, communication, and character building. And so that's what we that, that's what we try to tell the teachers, we educate school leaders, we allow parents to also explore Minecraft and education because we have some schools who are actually using it already. And it's nice, you know, and so at that young age, when, when they have basic concepts already on coding or or that one, uh, computational thinking, when they transition into higher level or more complex courses that require them to program, say, or or yun nga, uh, do data analysis, etc. You know, it's not biglaan anymore, right? You have a better sensation. And, and then when they're older, when they go to college, they know what they are getting themselves into. Now, okay, so now I'm sure I want to do computer science or I want, I want to be a data scientist. Okay, but my point is giving young learners and college students the opportunity to understand it and to know what is it that they're saying no to or what is it that they're signing up for. Actually, like what you mentioned with your two sons, I think they, to get students or, or other people interested in STEM is also to ground STEM 
um, their context. Like for example, if it's through games, like it's some they apply, they can apply STEM there, like the critical thinking and the other um, things that you mentioned earlier. No? So, from your perspective, what is the value? Which I think you've already answered. What is the value of STEM in our world today and in the future? Okay, so why do we need STEM and STEM education? And and for me, my let's reframe it this way. You know, why is there importance talaga in STEM and why should schools and business advocates work together to push STEM forward, right? A lot of things, eh, you know, but obviously STEM jobs are are growing, you know, and skilled workers can keep up with the demand. Right, so if STEM jobs are growing, there are more openings. Kailangan my workers na mahire or my my STEM skills na mahire to fill in this space. Right, STEM skills are in demand in almost any career field, and there are unfilled STEM jobs, and not to mention also the underrepresentation of women in STEM fields, because women empowerment. Diversity, inclusion, and accessibility is also something that's close to my heart because we 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 drive that in Microsoft. So anyway, so talking talking about that. So going back to STEM, um, like I said, so STEM won't sleep, but it grows, it expands. Technology is also evolving. Demands are growing. So th- that's it. I that's really the value of STEM and STEM in education. The advances in technology we foresee will cause major disruptions in the workforce. So in our data, we're seeing that automation will replace up to 50% of the existing jobs. And so if if you look at the fastest growing occupation, they will require higher level cognitive skills also in areas like problem solving, critical thinking, and creativity. So what I'm saying is STEM, the concept of STEM, strengthening our STEM curriculum making it more hands-on, more practical, partnering with business advocates and with the government and with the local community to drive that is good. But at the same time, let's also not forget the cognitive skills and the character that we should build and foster to our students along with that. So like I said, STEM and why we advocate, you know, technology is a tool to enhance everything. Technology will not work if there's no empathy, right? Because for us to be able to build a technology, for example, that works for a person with disability, the person building that app and seeing how it fits the needs of a person with disability should have empathy. And empathy can be practiced, you know, when you're young. Parang you don't teach that now when you're older, diba? So it's it's a way of life. So that's what we're saying. Parang we also have the responsibility that when we put this content together, that's when we release technology and whatever is the latest there. When we look at AI, how it makes everything convenient for us. Let's not forget that along with that, you know, comes you know, a responsibility that we should have a responsible innovation. We are teaching empathy to our young learners and we are embedding empathy in whatever we do. Yeah, and there and there goes character building also, di ba, in the classroom. So, tinuturuan natin yung mga bata, like, what is digital citizenship? What are online ethics, di ba? It, it really starts with that. Okay. With this, how do you think 
should we bring STEM closer to the public? And what is the role of the GIEs or industries like Microsoft in achieving this kind of vision for STEM? I feel that we're doing it now. I mean, I know that there, like Unilab Foundation has been very active in that, right? And then we have the STEM Leadership Alliance Philippines, but in general, because bringing this and strengthening this takes partnership and collaboration. So first, let's look at, you know, how can educators push STEM forward, right? So they can start by attending, you know, available training so that they are also self-empowered. They should increase their understanding in how can I really make my STEM subject engaging? And it's not just a one-way delivery for the sake of delivering the lesson today, I teach you already, that's it. And no, eh, parang increase understanding, embed projects, hands-on projects, so that we spark curiosity among students and not just grade them based on what they've submitted. Answer your homework, submit this online, and that's it. No, eh, more of let's be patient, let's allow our kids to make mistakes, allow them to experiment. Because that's, for me, that's what STEM education is really about. Eh? We experiment, we learn over time, right? Educators may also do a lot of research online. They can look at the next generation standards of science if they have the time for it. Because not everything that's given to them diba, in the curriculum, diba. We can think outside of the box and say, okay, what could be the next standards for this? And then start introducing it to the to the students. Another way that educators can do is partner with, say, industry experts or get a scientist to make all these experiments come to life. Especially now that we are in a virtual world, people are doing online distance learning. It wouldn't hurt if, you know, a school reaches out to companies who are advocating STEM and invite them to speak or share, diba? Share whatever it is just to inspire students to get into STEM or make them understand, like, when I'm doing this exper- experiment, how is it for the company or what's the impact, etc. Those are, for, for me, are life skills eh, and real application of learning in the classroom. For business communities naman and private companies, no? We can start with by developing partnership with schools, like I said earlier on, through employee mentorship, mentoring, coaching. We can be more active by making sure that when we create partnerships with schools, whether it's K-12 or higher ed, it doesn't have to be a one-off thing every year, right? We can institutionalize it and make it like a quarterly thing with the classroom or the school so that it's something that students can also look forward to. Yeah, we can talk to students about career options. That's good learning also rather than getting these kids to to pay seminars or conventions. Schools should be more proactive, I feel, um, when it comes to, you know, reaching out to companies, tech companies or STEM companies and invite them to talk about career options. So there, and then last but not the least, like when we look at the government agencies, decision and policy makers, I feel that they should also be involved here. And I'm glad that a lot of these things are already happening naman eh. Parang yun lang for me. And I also want to stress on the fact that, you know, when when STEM education is taught, for example, in the classroom, 
hindi lang naman siya kasi about knowledge, skills, and competencies ng science that we're teaching to the students. But end of the day, also, it's about, for me, also as a parent, right? It's about perseverance. It's sparking curiosity rather than focusing on a failed experiment. When a teacher gives an experiment, diba? there's a subject mag experiments in the classroom, it would be nice diba? to change the mindset also of the students. For example, when, when it's a failed experiment, you have a choice. Eh? Do you say it's a failed experiment or you've learned how to persevere, how to be more curious? Children aren't yet at that age. They're not so conscious of, of making mistakes. And so it gives them so much freedom to experiment. And I think that's what really, that's the point also that I wanted to make around STEM education. Because these are skills or traits that are not cognitive skills that aren't necessarily taught in books, right? Or in lessons, but they go along with that when 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 we teach science math or technology in the classroom hmm. okay so to cap off the session i guess we just have one last question if you took the stem track what kind of stem career are you interested in pursuing you know what diane you put me on the spot <laughs> let me STEM track. Yeah. I really don't know what specific STEM track am I interested in. Right? And I wish, diba? I think, I guess this is more of, I wish my teacher at the time was bolder, braver enough to spark our curiosity. I wish she thought out of the box and then teach us textbook stuff. Because, I mean, I'm a lot older than you, right? I'm from the generation of your mom, right? And so, the way lessons were taught to us, you know, we have like 40 or 50 people in a class sitting there and we have to listen to the teacher and we didn't have our devices, we didn't have an internet, we didn't have search engine. Wala eh. Talagang our only source of information would be our library and our books. And the story that the teacher tells us like how, you know, whatever it is, how rocks are formed and then may mga cartoon and it's very much like that. I think as a child, we are naturally curious and I feel that if I was given that opportunity to see what are the possibilities or what's the beauty pala of in science, um, what's the, the beauty in math, what's the beauty in numbers? Right, because I had classmates. I came from an all-girls school, so I had classmates who were naturally just good in math and curious. And I'm like, how's that? Parang is it in their family? Ba? Do they talk about math and science over there? I really don't know. Cause, but if you ask me, I don't get it. Parang how come they're good at it? Tapos their parents could be accountants. That's why parang they're also good in math because they were trained that way. That's part of their. It's they live and breathe it. Like I like. In my family, right? don't we don't talk about math and science, but ask me about arts, about movies, about music. I could talk to you the whole day about it. So you see, so that's a difference. But as a child, I didn't see what could be the potential if I get into a, any of the STEM tracks. I didn't know the potential ko ko. That's why what was closest to my heart, I wanted psychology where 
you know, we we always observe people's behaviors. The diba? got exposed to people, adults, and people younger than me with different personalities that spark curiosity in psychology. And, and, and so I wanted to take that up in college. Therefore, parang what specific STEM track, I couldn't answer that talaga. I didn't get that opportunity to be exposed to what would be the potential. But today, why am I so passionate about STEM education? It's not so much on science itself or math, but an impact to education, making an impact to employment. And end of, diba, parang end of the day, kasi seeing how all these opportunities that I am fortunate to be able to implement because I represent that company that, you know, gives me, who who gives me that opportunity to roll this out. It is really more of seeing how this can contribute to nation building, this can contribute to the millions of problems that we have in the Philippines. And I feel strongly about starting sa, sa mga bata nga, starting with education. You you give them better education, you give them chances of getting employed. You know, a lot of things can be solved also. Plus, again, again, character building. Yeah. Okay. That's all for our third episode of the STEM Talks podcast. Thank you so much again, Isang, for being our guest speaker today. It's also really interesting hearing how you ended up loving STEM because of your career. And we hope that our students and, of course, also our leaders become more inspired to take action in strengthening STEM and to work together to future-ready the Philippines. So tune in our next episode as we discuss the challenges, but also the sense of fulfillment when teaching STEM by getting up close and personal with the different teachers. Here, we try to discover what our teachers need as we adjust in this new normal and what kind of support they need as well from everyone around them. STEM Talks is powered by STEM Plus PH, the flagship program of UNAB Foundation. Make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast as well as our Facebook page, STEM Plus PH or at stemph.rocks. You can also follow our Instagram at underscore stemph for more updates. Make sure to tag us when you share our episodes and use the hashtags stemph, stemfi, and stemph rock. We can't wait to stemify the future of the Philippines with you.